0: What is up everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pink. This podcast is a collection of casual stories from a writer, poet and watch collector, that's me, and among other things, a messy creative. This is actually a snapshot of one part of the creation process to answer the question, what is it like to actually make things for a living? What is it like to actually make? A lot of us consume a lot more than we produce. And that's me included, that's a lot of creators in this profession included. And therefore, the act of bringing new things into the world all the time can seem a bit foreign to a lot of people. But behind the general perception of, um, you know, the crazy genius or all the weird things that are often associated with people who make things, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of ordered chaos, and that's what this episode is going to be about. So, first of all, when I was thinking about how to address creativity, how to build a picture of creativity that is interesting and relevant and easy to understand for the general audience of this show, the first thing I thought about was what creating is not. And along those lines, I'll say that the general perception of people who make things is heavily skewed. Only the good stuff people make gets out, but many people create less good stuff. For for example, you might not know a lot about watches, but you probably know what a Rolex is. Case in point, only the good stuff usually gets out. I mean, true, you're not... If you're not a watch collector or watch nerd like me, then you probably won't know a lot anyway. But the fact that Rolex watches transcend that boundary is testament that it is, quotation marks, good in terms of something someone created. But many people still create less good stuff, which is still good and it's still creating. For example, there's a lot of watch brands I could name that the average person might not. No, Audemars Piguet, Fashion Constantin, Omega, Breitling, Panerai, Cartier, Bell & Ross, all kinds of others, Longines, all kinds of other, Frank Muller, um, Patek, of course, how could I forget Patek? There's a lot of different creations. There are less good, which are which still count as creating, but the, the good stuff that gets created disproportionately accounts for the perception of the field. So to continue with the watch analogy, Rolex is a very common watch brand. And what are Rolexes? Expensive because they're status symbols, right, according to popular culture. So therefore if you only know Rolex as a watch brand, you might say, Well hell, all the watch brands are expensive. That's not necessarily true. There's brands like Seiko which have um potentially the same build quality and the same function sometimes as a rolex which costs a lot less there's all kinds of other brands which are much cheaper and much more expensive and etc only the good stuff gets out which creates a skewed perception of people who make things and this goes not just for products but also for creators how many struggling artists do you know unless you happen to be in a community with a lot of struggling artists probably not many, you know of Ariana Grande, you know Taylor Swift, you know John Mayer, you know uh, Keshi, you know Billie Eilish, you don't know all the earlier versions of those same people who are just starting out in their careers struggling to make it, and that creates a very different perception, and I'm a perfect example of this, most creators actually exist without ever making a large splash, that's me, that's probably going to be me, because Realistically speaking, I mean, the barrier of entry for creating is very low these days. Anyone can publish a song, anyone can write a story, anyone can write a novel. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are born, what you like and don't like, and what you believe and don't believe. The internet means everyone gets a voice. And there's pros and cons to that. The pro is everyone gets a voice. The con is everyone gets a voice, which means that you're suddenly competing with I don't know how many people have internet access. I think the statistic is like four billion. Over four billion people on the planet. So you've got to compete against four billion voices, and that's—it's not very easy, statistically speaking, to stand out. So you hear about the big ones, but just by virtue of numbers, the small ones fly under the radar because because um, a misconception. One thing you really quickly understand if you start to do this as a living or for a living, rather is that you don't actually need to be big, there's a common uh, adage, and this is getting into the nitty-gritty of creating content for a living, but there's a common adage often quoted to new creators, and it goes, large audiences are sexy, small audiences are profitable, you don't actually need to be that big to survive, even if you're doing this for a living, which is a very big misconception I find especially in the video industry because you, I mean, we're, we're constantly hammered by the, um, the image of very successful viral creators when in reality, you don't actually need to be so famous in order to succeed in most cases. It's a very big pie, and you don't need a very big chunk to survive because the pie is so damn big. But most of the time, creating is tied to money through survival, so hopefully um you' get you're getting to see at this point how messy the creation process is this the whole up till this point the whole point of me saying this all this was to basically say it's very often we are very often misconstrued as creators, and we're getting we're going to get to the messy part in a second. So speaking of the messy part, um, we're going to talk about process because I think that's what most people are interested in, right? So you asked me, okay, Mika, what do you create and how do you create it? Well, to answer that question, I mostly write long-form articles and poetry for a living. That's how I make my money right now, at this point in time. Um, future plans would involve me writing other things as well, like newsletters and stuff which would also still be writing, so basically I write for a living, right? The process of writing articles, how do I do this? Well, it changes probably every two weeks, changes wildly. It's weird, because no two articles are ever the same, but somehow the system works. I'm clearly surviving, I'm still here, and it's getting better, but sometimes I look at my earnings, I look at my numbers, and I'm like, What the hell is this going? What the hell is going on? Like this shouldn't be working because I have no idea what I'm doing, but for some reason it does. Maybe, God forbid, I have some kind of talent for putting words together. Maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe I don't know what. But trust me when I say, the process changes all the time. There is no process, and thus it feels like I'm just hitting random targets in the dark just because. Either I shoot a lot of shots or the targets are very big and plentiful all over the place. You see, this is the, I'm trying to capture the essence of why creativity is really messy. And I'm pretty sure this applies to the vast majority of creation, genuine creation, right? Like, I mean, if you're a marketing, if you're working on a marketing team at a company and your job is to create facebook ads banner ads in photoshop every day i wouldn't say that counts as creating i'm talking about creating as in you have a conviction to send a message to paint a picture to show your voice that kind of creating that kind of creating is messy and i'm about to touch on the essence of it this is the essence of why that creation that genuine creation is messy The problem is you can't standardize it because it involves emotion. You can't standardize creativity because it is emotion and you cannot standardize emotion. You see, creating is often tied to your real feelings and feelings are volatile. Um, And I made two two big leaps here, first being that creativity is tied to emotion and emotion is volatile, being the second. But hopefully you're still with me, but hopefully you can see how... When you use your feelings to drive anything, you drive all over the place. There's no such thing as predicting stable creation because if it's real, it's very often tied to emotion. Um, For example, I guess to tie this back to more relevant topics, the coronavirus pandemic has upset the balance of a lot of people's lives um, both by taking it away and also disrupting our routines and shit. that wreaks havoc on emotions which directly affects creativity which is why a lot of creative types on medium are now complaining that you know productivity is at all time low i can't create anything i'm unhappy well surprise surprise it's all tied to how you feel and if you feel like shit, you're not going to be creating very well unless that is your that is your um specialty for example um just to give a really quick go on a really quick tangent using negative emotions to your special to your advantage can be done for instance my sister writes the best poetry when she's upset but here's the thing it's still tied to emotion except unusually like um what's the word yeah unusually so it's tied to negative emotion but it's still tied to emotion so if she's happy funnily enough, she can't write very well, which is weird, but it illustrates my point perfectly. Making things is dependent on you feeling things. You need to feel things to make things, and you almost never feel predictably. That's why it's interesting. That's what makes us human, and that's why it's very difficult to have ordered, structured creativity. It's possible, but it's not Easy. It's not very common either. For example, speaking of poetry, I really can't write poetry if I don't have a strong feeling about something. My style is, I like to think, direct, poignant. You can't be loud and clear if you don't have anything to say. I can't write poetry about, um, for example, romantic love because I've never experienced it in my life. I'm single, I don't have a partner, uh, a romantic partner at least. And so I can't write about it genuinely, or if I tried, it would probably come across as like it. It might be convincing if I were to use the right words and put them together, but I would know that it doesn't feel the same. It won't. It won't hit you the same way as if I wrote about loneliness or separation or friendship or companionship or all the other things which I feel strongly about currently. For example. Um. My recent success poem, Chasing Clouds, I'll link it in the description just an example, because also because I really like the poem and I think you will too, it's actually doing really well, really quickly, so um, just if you're curious you can read it, the link is in the description of this episode, but that poem, Chasing Clouds, is about friendship during isolation caused by, of course, our friendly neighborhood coronavirus. It's based on very real emotions. But facing those things to write about them is difficult. It took me days to finish that property because it was so hard to work on it, which is case in point exactly. Like I said, you need to feel things to create things, and you almost never feel predictably, which is why you can't create predictably. It's a mess. Creativity is a all, all a big mess. And add on to the fact that all this takes a toll on your energy as well you get tired of going back and forth pretty quickly because not only do you have to survive your emotions, so to speak you have to feel them because you actually they're real, That you're actually feeling them you also have to take notes on the side and use that to fuel your creation whatever it is you're creating, whether you're writing a poem, filming a video, whatever so it's like you're doing two jobs, you're kind of feeding off your own humanity if that makes any sense and that gets tiring all this fortunately makes creativity something you never lose because you never really lose the ability to kind of observe yourself once you develop it you are always aware that it's there you might not like it all the time but it's there and you never really lose it the tremendous sense of purpose that you can feel from understanding yourself better another layer of abstraction it is quite addicting so on the bright side it's actually very difficult to turn uncreative creativity is a mess but because of that it's addicting it's something you never lose not really anyway hope that was uh, an interesting expose on um, creation it's a process which obviously there's so many different parts of it I could have approached, but I just wanted to give a sweeping overview on one of the most popular uh, assumptions about it, that it's a mess, something that people would understand, something that you could relate to possibly. So that's that. Thank you for tuning in to Pink, the podcast. If you like to support the show, if you would like to support the show, click the three dots icon or the share icon wherever you're listening iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever, and share this to social media. My handles for Instagram and Twitter are in the description. Thank you for tuning in. I'll talk to you in the next one.